Hello and welcome back to the Social Matters podcast. My name is Nadia and we are three social workers talking about social matters. Hi Nads. Hi. My name is Eugene and I'm a social worker talking about social matters. And I'm Fran and I'm a social worker talking about social matters. You think our like avid listeners know our voices by now? Do you think we could just say hi and they can guess who it is? Yeah. But then where do we collect the guesses? <laughs> now that's our thing that's our intro um and then what happens if one week uh we have an understudy because you were just telling us about a play friend <laughs> that you went to where the understudy came on and saved the day so you know yeah i was just telling them about a play i went to see called nine night which if anyone is in london i would definitely recommend um so it is uh about um in Jamaica when someone dies they have like nine nights of celebration so it's a really really good play but about 20 minutes in um, someone came on stage and said the main one of the main actors had taken ill and there was going to be an understudy so I was like what I was really upset because I loved this actor um, but the understudy was really really good and she stole the show um, but yeah I just was like can you imagine like because there was not meant to be an interval and then she came on and um mm. She was really, really good, and I thought the pressure. But it did remind me of the time that I was um, understudy for Joseph and his amazing technical dream coat. Uh, what? what? Where? Oh, in the West End. No, 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 no. Like when I was like ten, and you know, at ten, like you're not going to learn all the words to the play. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't mm. learn any of them. So when I wasn't being, <laughs> no way. when, when I wasn't Where being an going? understudy for Joseph, my my other main part in this play was a fat cow. <laughs> you know, like you know, like the Pharaoh's song. While I was wandering along the banks of the river, when seven fat cows oh, yeah. came out of the night, and that's when I came. No, on. I don't know that. Song. I don't know it either. Wow. Oh, you, two are, you two are getting really involved. So I did that. Did anyway, oh, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. And then on the day, so I, was, I used to play my fat cow. And then one day, <laughs> Joseph typecast. One day, Joseph. <laughs> one Shut day, up, Brad. One You're day, then bad. Joseph was ill. Oh, oh, and the panic of moving from <laughs> a fat cow to Joseph. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I was like, I don't know, like, I, I don't, I don't know the words. Like, this is going to be a car crash. Anyway, Joseph. <laughs> Um, managed to drag themselves in and oh, saved me. Oh, How wow. How old are you again? Ten. Oh. Wow. So what was, did you have any lines as the fat cow or did you just, just have to grace? No, it's just simply <laughs> a <laughs> simple move. Simple movements. Movements. Oh. <laughs> All right, Dad. You missed my other joke, though. Oh, what other I joke? I said, did you have any lines or did you just have to grace? <laughs> you never heard that? Oh, <laughs> Move, move, move the along. Banger. Look at that dish. You can't start, come close to the mic so people can hear you laughing. Oh, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> but Eugene, I laugh at that everything. Joke. Everything yeah. is always funny to me. So, yeah. Um, so, that makes me think about um, role. Have you ever played a role in a play? Um, yeah, at school I was I was in, I was a a, a twinkle, twinkle <laughs> little <laughs> in, in the school nativity. That's a big part. I, was, I had to sing a solo. <laughs> I was twinkle. Sorry, I literally had a drink in my mouth. I said, "I was twinkle, twinkle, hills." They pawed you. Like this, nervous, nervous with my tinsel in my hair. Yeah. What was your solo? Uh, uh, I'm sure. What was that? It was some. I'm sure it was. Was it twinkle little star? I don't remember. It was some kind of. 
kind of um, carol where there was a star. Yeah. I can't think of it, but yeah, that was it. It's funny, that thing, isn't it? Like, in England, the like nativity play and that like wanting to get a big part and like, mm. you know, to not be any of the significant parts. Like, at mine, I think they were desperate for characters. So mm. I was the colour blue. <laughs> and oh I don't my even, God. I swear. What like, was the you, play? It was like some Leeds version of the nativity play. So what? they had all the like, you know, Mary Joseph and shepherds and, and wise men and then I think maybe some kind of rainbow vibe so yeah. you know I was the colour blue I mean oh. can you imagine do you know the website I am wanted to be DB. a wise woman <laughs> do, do you know the or website sheep would have even been better than blue <laughs> and you would have played, played all the farm animals no ever blue come on but you know the website IMDb that has all of the actors kind of <laughs> bio and stuff like that. Imagine. You type in Fran, you type in, you type in Fran, and you're like, oh, um, cow, fat cow, blue, once to understand to Justin, but didn't come on. Nadia, twinkle, twinkle. I had a solo one time. <laughs> what about you, you, Jenny? Oh, it's come funny. I'm, 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 I'm cussing you, you guys. In, were you in Casualty no. in the Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see me? Dun, 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 dun. Is that the pill? Dun, 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 um, you you may have remembered I said it in previous podcasts, but you guys know this that I was really shy, and when I was a kid, like literally super shy. Oh, my yeah. mom would know this. Um, my mom said I don't talk about her enough on the podcast. Hi, mom. I'm talking about you now in a positive light. So, um, how are you doing, mom? Yeah. Um. So I don't know why and how this happened because I was super shy. But I played Joseph in a nativity in a nativity in a nativity. In a wow. nativity play, so I went. Um, to, you I know, like... a main a flipping character, <gasps> yes. Joseph. So, no, well, debatable me? that or the Twinkle Stars. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, they have to follow the star to the manger. That's quite a key, Fran, key role. Yeah, and truth. then once they get there, the star's done. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> mate, short lived. Um, but and then the color blue. <laughs> overtake over the whole sky no but I, oh we need to find another episode to talk about that. what was your role what was your line but basically no but that's oh. it that's why i played joseph i had no lines i was just like it's helping like, mary on the donkey yeah little donkey Aww. and i remember walking down and really like i must have wet myself or something i was i don't know how i survived that i was literally pee myself <laughs> all the way down um but other people had lines but i had no lines all i did was um hold the hand of um mary and just like <laughs> and i swear my mom's got pictures of that in the house some and i had like a classic tea towel yeah. on your head my mom made my robe or whatever and i was like what and because i i didn't talk i was i would have said why am i talking? i don't want this flipping role i just wanted to be blue <laughs> Everyone wants that role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious. All right. All right, let's bring it let's bring, bring it, it bring it back. back. So we are talking today about use of self in social work and mm. um in 
life really yeah. um ourselves think, yeah, yeah just yeah. how how you uh use yourself and your personality your mm. kind of character and and how what kind of qualities do you bring to your work yeah so um, we kind of said this in the last podcast we recognized that i am the tech guy and i don't come up with other episodes so who came up with this episode <laughs> oh yeah it was it it was me it was yeah. Nadia. It was me. It was not. Yeah, we know you. Sorry. <laughs> it was me. It was not there. What? What made you choose? <laughs> it's me, Eugene. <laughs> sorry. Um, what? What made you um, suggest this? What were we talking about? We were talking about. I think it kind of came collaratively when we were talking about. Someone said humor, and then somebody yes. said um, emotion. Emotion. You said emotions, and then it kind of evolved and came up with the use of self. Because I know I asked a question, and I'm about to answer it, but. It's important to talk about ourselves, and you mentioned that professionally in in social work, but also in life and thinking about. And I think we we kind of mentioned Bateson in every every quote, <laughs> and it's a Gregory Bateson quote where he says it takes two to know one, yeah. and I really subscribe to that notion is that we can't know ourselves in isolate we can't know ourselves in isolation we know ourselves in relation to others yeah. in relations to other groups into other people and other things so how we use ourselves or how we are in that relationship whether it's to another person or to uh, a, a theme or a group or society how we use ourselves and our awareness of ourselves is important so yeah. i think yeah it's important to talk about that yeah so some of the things that uh some of the questions that i wanted us to think about or headings or things for us to think about was I I think that we we do this pretty well others might might not agree but I think um humor is a really important <laughs> oh, re- thing. I love the way really? you say it and then we start laughing at ourselves <laughs> who, who, so who uses is, it, is that us yeah well I mean, yeah, so, so, uh, I'm, I'm not sure no. yeah I don't I don't think we're comedians but I do think we use humor well, well you know <laughs> next steps <laughs> and how do you um because obviously we you know top bants on the uh, top, top. Yeah, waves but top like how bands. do you um how do you use humor in your work do you think uh, it's interesting when people ask how do you use humor because i would actually go a step before that and say <laughs> i am humor no but <laughs> like, no but uh, i think uh, it's about what makes me a person and what makes me an individual so before I I was a social worker, before I'm a, I'm a professional, I'm a human and I'm an individual. And when I think about humour, that goes back to my upbringing, my mm. childhood, my experiences, how we communicated in the family home. And me and my siblings and my mum, we are all crazy. And oh, I swore. Oh, no, I didn't swear. Oh, I'm going to edit all of this out. <laughs> um, but we're all a little bit like humorous to to the to the extreme and we once had the competition in our house where my younger brother decided to run a poll of who was the funniest in the house so everybody it, it was a secret ballot we fell in with each other everyone and me, you know no no you couldn't pop yourself so me and my little brother we came out on top i think and then they, it all turned into a massive argument yeah. <laughs> classic so yeah i think that um humor has been a huge part of my life so when I go into my professional field, I can't eliminate it. I can't stop it. I just have to adapt it, adapt it and, yeah. and where it, see where it's appropriate and to what extent. But it's always, I think, a part of my interactions. Mm. It's such a... Humour such a... 
I don't know, skill, isn't it? Like mm. in terms of you can't just indiscriminately use it. It has to be in the right kind of like timing is so important. And mm. but I think it's just so helpful um, to especially in, you know, in our work and in life in general, that can be a bit bit dead out sometimes and it's quite <laughs> and, you know it's just quite nice to to bring some lightness um it's just some light relief um mm-hmm. sometimes so yeah I think when I'm using when I'm using it with families I don't sort of intend to necessarily <laughs> you know cut yeah. jokes but if something <laughs> comes up then yeah. it, it helps first home visit knock knock who's there it's me <laughs> <laughs> your social worker social worker who that, that that's it <laughs> Uh, Fred, what about you? Um, Yeah, I'd agree with you, Nadia. Like, it's about like when you use it, and I I think that is about um, picking up on cues, being attuned to what's going on, and not just uh, using it inappropriately because obviously that would be well inappropriate. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it can help to sort of join with a family. So when you first meet a family, it's just kind of getting to know to know them. I think it can show some um, that we're kind of human as well rather than this kind of othering of, you know, professionals going into a family home. And it's just a, a way to sort of build relationships, isn't it, really? But as you said, it, there's something about timing and yeah. being cautious about when about when you use it. But then, as you said, I think in a, in a wider sense, they, there's a kind of joke, isn't it, about like social workers having quite dark sense of humour. And I think we do have to develop, have a sense of humour and it's not about kind of laughing at, at the families or, or anything like that. Mm. But I think it's just having a time Mm. either in the office or away from the office to kind of just relax and Mm. and, and kind of jokes as you said you know things can be quite heavy so I think humour can help as a sort of light relief as well can't it yeah and I I think just as you were speaking Fran um, and what you said earlier Nadia about it being a skill I've I've, I have consciously thought about how humour can make a situation or an interaction easier for the other person but also easier for me what humor does is makes make other people feel comfortable i think mm-hmm. so sometimes i'm intentionally humorous when i'm working with families where appropriate with colleagues with with the people that i've managed the people who i've taught with friends um with in uh, relationships with wider groups because it's almost like it gets people it puts people's ears up to be like oh I'm interested in this this person mm. um because they they I I find something that can connect me with this person let me listen to what else they have to say so it can be tactical it can be strategic not in a very active way of oh here's my plan here's insert joke here yeah. but in a natural and organic way yeah so when I was thinking about this podcast something that I was I really wanted us to kind of fresh out and talk about was the distinction or not that much of a distinction or difference and similarities between the professional self and the personal self Mm. and you know things like humor in your personal life that kind of coming over into your professional life as well I wanted to ask you guys what 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 are your ideas of what is um, your professional self compared with your personal that's um I think inevitably they intertwine because we deal with human beings and we are human beings and we are in a professional context but we can't get away from ourselves but then there are certain situations and contexts where your professional self in inverted commas is more apparent so my idea of my professional self is really apparent when I'm 
I'm involved in things that I have to do. So not that I, so my statutory requirements, if I think about a social worker working on the front line and I have to communicate bad news even if I don't want to I have to be clear and transparent with a family on the remit of our work on what the concerns are but also what the hopes are and what the uh, what the strengths are because my personal self may just want to chill out and sit down with them and also my personal self may want to give a lot in order to help them but my professional self tells me actually I have to empower them and help them to help themselves because I can't be in their lives for forever and when we talk about humor as we talk, spoke about before there may be jokes that I will share with friends as we did in the first five or six minutes of this uh, podcast episode that I may want to share with families because it was flipping funny well <laughs> at least I think so um but I can't so it's almost like they intertwine or they overlap at times, but that looks different depending on the context and depending on risks and depending on the scenario, basically. I think for me, when I first became a social worker many years ago, sort of mid to late 20s, I was probably still going out a lot more and kind of having a you know particular sort of lifestyle. And I remember when I became a social worker, I think some friends... It perhaps felt like it's quite a serious job and you know I'm thinking about the humor and kind of liking to have fun and I think when I first started it was kind of trying to work out what social work was about and what this professional persona was and I think over the years or quite quickly what was important for me was for there to be congruence between my personal and professional mm-hmm. self because so much of social work is about ourselves yeah. and you know giving part of ourselves and you know building those relationships so yes we will probably have a difference and a separation but it felt initially uncomfortable I was trying to kind of I was this sort of 20 something person coming in and then trying to develop this professional persona and I think I you know I've got it now where it's it's both it's Mm. a sort of systemic both and you know Mm. I I think they, they match up because a lot of my values that I have in outside of work on my social work values and thinking Mm. about the importance of social justice so I like to think that they marry up and that who you see out of work Mm. would be similar Mm. um, Mm. to who you see in work you know with some differences Mm. Mm. yeah no I I agree whoa Um, (laughs) I agree I think that um, I don't I don't feel like there's too much of a distinction between my professional self and my personal (coughs) self I think the only thing that is probably quite different is if somebody has really stressed me out and um, has been quite rude to me or whatever, I might respond a little bit more road. (laughs) A little bit more road. (laughs) Yeah, I have to kind of be a bit more... Yeah. Considered. Yes, considered. Mm. Um, Not to say that I, you know, just let loose regularly mm. in my personal life because I don't I'm not I'm not that way inclined but sometimes potty mouth letting loose I mean the image of Nadia we're building up I know. on the road Effin yeah. and Jeffin <laughs> taking people out it's not me that's not me you're a lovely woman no, that's, yeah, that's not, not me, me. <laughs> we, we knew we were going to get that in with a swear box yeah. oh, but um, I, I find that I agree completely with what you're saying Nadia and and just going back to what you were saying a bit, Fran, around values and people talk about uh, social work values and personal values. And I agree with you that they are are intertwined and they should be intertwined because we. No, I don't believe you can come onto a social work course and learn 
you can't learn values you can't learn social work values you have them and you may become more aware of them through your social work experience and your social work um teaching but a value of that I have professionally is a value of transparency. So I'll be clear to families. I'll be transparent with families with regards to the concerns, with regards to the worries, with regards to strengths. And also to when you talk about how you are, if you if somebody was to kind of maybe anger you or upset you on road, there's still an element of transparency there. Like yeah. you, if you come with a value base of transparent transparency, then what that looks like will be different depending on the context and like even. For me, the I was we were turning out to be really angry people, but everyone like when I've been driving and sometimes have a bit of road rage and like ah, like get out of the way, mate, in a very nice way, please sir, get out of the way. That's exactly what I say. So yeah, it could be understood as that, but values are at the top of how we operate, and I think that affects everything going down professionally and personally. We have decided to um, include a new or introduce a new feature um, of the podcast where we speak to social workers and get their views and opinions on the subject matter that we're discussing. Do we have a name for this new feature? Uh, Should we just create it after? Oh, I don't know. Social work voices? Fran, you're good at this. Yeah. On the spot, Fran. Give me a minute. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was like, no pressure. Okay. I'll think of something. All right. Take a listen and... um, to hear some of these and then maybe by the time we come back something. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Name, years, opinion, go. Hi, I'm Katie. I have got five and a half years experience as a social worker and I've been asked to talk about the use of self in social work. Um, So one of the things that I think is really important is thinking about our compassion and our empathy towards families that we're working with. Um, So one of the things I was thinking about when I was asked this question was how important it is to show our families that we really, really care about them. Um, And obviously families can tell, like they can sense if you don't care about them. So if you walk in and you're not taking the time to listen to their opinion, you're not taking the time to develop a relationship with individuals and you're not kind of being empathetic towards their situation, then they're not really going to get any kind of relationship with you and I would say that that's always absolutely essential Um, and I think that families would probably say something similar. (laughs) Okay, name, years, opinion, go. Christina, three years. Um, My opinion on use of self is that it can be quite a powerful tool in our everyday social work lives. Um, For example, I think as a social worker you can use your social graces to... um, work with families that can be helpful and it can be unhelpful I think in ways where it can be helpful in thinking about myself um, is working in inner city London I grew up in inner city London I uh, my experience of education wasn't the best and I think that's something that a lot of our young people um, have struggles with I had issues with police growing up and that's another big area so actually I tend to find that I use myself quite a lot in terms of my experience um, when working with young people who are having these um, same issues and use that as a way to think about how we can kind of move forward Name, years, opinion, goal. Sandy, five years, qualified. So 
So I, when I think of self, um, it takes me back to my very first home visit as a student. And um, I was meeting a family with my practice educator and she was asked whether or not she had children. And her response to that question was actually, I'm not here to talk about me, I'm here to talk about you. Um, which kind of shut down that conversation. It impacted the relationship and essentially impacted the way in which the intervention then kind of carried through. Um, when I think about self, the, the importance of sharing self, it's about being connected, it's about building relationships and it's about trust and these things I think are integral in creating change. Okay. Name, years, opinion, goal. Uh, my name is Ash. I've been a social worker for six years, well, qualified for six years, um, and I am thinking about use of self. So I am of the opinion that use of self can be really, really powerful if it's delicately and thoughtfully applied to social work. Um, I supervise a group of students now, and so I think that helping them get to know me and using myself to help them think about their experience in social work is really powerful and helps people feel more comfortable in their role um, and thinking about how social work will affect them and others but I also think that relationships are so dependent upon us using bits of ourselves so whether it's supervising students or other social workers or getting to know families giving part of yourself helps other people feel more comfortable with you. I suppose we've spoken a bit about like personal and professional selves, but how much then of self do you bring, I guess, in terms of self-disclosure um, in your work with children and families? When you say self-disclosure, what, what I suppose I'm thinking, thinking if, do you, how much do you talk about yourself? Perhaps, you know, thinking of personal self. Yeah. If someone was to ask you questions, how much, how much do you give in that way? Yeah, I'm, we I've had a few kind of discussions about this over my social work career and people come with people are different and people come with really different views on it me personally Definitely. I I personally feel like we ask people so much about themselves we get in their business we ask them about their you know recreational drug use activity about sometimes I've had some awkward questions about their sex lives you know you get in their business mm. and if they want to know the area you grew up why not why not give a little bit of yourself you have to be really measured in thinking mm. about the context in which a question's asked so if it's the very first time that um, you're meeting a family and they're grilling you about your personal mm. life maybe not so much but if you're you've been able to develop a bit of a relationship with them mm. I feel pretty comfortable with yeah. self-disclosure yeah. but I know not everyone does and and I think agree with you Nadia and say that that's been my experience as well the debate around how much you give and how much you disclose has been something that's gone on through social work training and through my career but I agree with you I'm I'm similar with regards to self-disclosure and I I believe it's down to the individual I don't believe there's no right or wrong way but for me it's about not what you say not how you act but the intentions behind it so if somebody asks me about myself what's the intention me responding in a certain way and telling them us if they are like oh do you have kids i was uh, thinking about that yeah point as so well. that somebody's like oh do you have kids 
what's the intention of of my response if i say oh, i can't tell you that for me my intention is to highlight my professionalism highlight my professional self highlight my power and almost make me take a couple of steps back from where the point will be to join this family and be on a relational level with them but if they ask me do I have kids the intention of me saying no I don't have kids is to move closer to joining them it's to move closer to that value of transparency of having trust and I almost feel that everything I say or everything we do as social workers with regards to self-disclosure needs to have some form of an impact analysis so if I tell someone say to someone I don't have kids what's the impact of that they may come back and say, "You don't have not. You don't have kids. How do you? How can you tell me what I'm doing?" And then let's have a chat about that. If I tell them about, if they're like, "Oh, where do you live?" and I tell them my full address, then the impact analysis <laughs> of that is pretty high. So maybe I won't say that. The um, do you have kids question comes up. So I've been asked that so many times, and over the years, I've 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 kind of developed this kind of response where I, I'll say. I will answer your question, but I'm just really interested in why you're asking me. What are you hoping I'm going to say? What? Why? Why do you want? Why do you want me to say what you want yes. me to say? Yeah. And just just to to kind of hear what their hopes are. And more, most of the time, what they say is, "I just want you to be able to understand me or understand where I'm coming from." And I say things like, "You know, so do you think that the only way that I can do that is by having children?" So I, I explore it with, and then I'll eventually tell them it's not that I'm avoiding the question, yes. but I'm just really interested in why it is they want to know that. I think, as you said, and that's more helpful. And then I guess to have those conversations because I guess that goes for any area of social work. You know, you could say. Yes, you are better understood if you have children or if you've experienced a mental health difficulty or if you've lived in poverty or if you've had substance misuse. But does that mean that you have to experience these things to work with people? Do all psychiatrists have had kind of mental health diagnosis? Not necessarily, but it, I think that the challenge is sometimes around if you're asked that question directly. And I think, as you said, it's more about exploring yes. and the reasons behind it. If, if you're just talking about yourself a lot as a social worker, you have to check for yeah. whose benefit. Yeah. And that's when it, it feels quite different. Yes, And I'm always like, can some be told in a way that doesn't necessarily have to bring self in so yeah there are times and I think context is really important but it's not about just bringing all your own stuff all the time 100% as well another area of um, use of self is how you use emotion or like demonstrate emotion or show or not show emotion and yeah what what are your both of your thoughts about emotion I think, and I don't know if this was the case in in either of your thinking, but I know when I've spoken about emotions, your mind automatically goes to maybe negative emotions, mm-hmm. and and that's being upset and that's 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 crying or I don't know anger. But I like to see emotion as a massive spectrum. So it can be those, it can be frustrations, it can be passion, it can be happiness, it can be laughter, it can be joy. So on the in inverted commas more positive end of the spectrum I feel comfortable with sharing those emotions or displaying those emotions I will show joy I'll I'll scream with a family where they tell me positive news I'll I'll show happiness when um, they're able to progress or they're in a better position but equally there are times where stuff that family things that family have have shared or that things have happened that you feel upset you feel sadness you feel like crying you feel anger mm. And out of all of those emotions, and I don't know whether right or wrong, but I will hide those emotions from from families. I will leave a family home and choose to release those emotions in a place 
that may be more comfortable for me and also it doesn't impact on the family and I don't know whether that's right or wrong I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer but I don't feel comfortable I don't know again it goes back to what I was saying about the impact what is the impact of what I'm doing how does that affect the family I was just thinking about you know you can feel anger but then it's what what do you do with it do you punch a wall or like do you smash a, a mirror or something or do you express it yeah. in a different way and and I, I think there are times when I have expressed anger but in a way but I've been able to manage it like I don't lose control yeah. um, and I think it's mostly when when I think of some of the challenging teenagers that I've worked with who try and bring it and I'm just like I don't know what you think this is but mm, no that's um, not me yeah that's not me and and sometimes you know I find rudeness makes me angry and some and sometimes expressing my anger back to them is very helpful because then they know no boundaries if I'm you know just roll with it and take it like, okay I know you know you might not be having a good day actually no it's not okay for you to speak to me yeah. like that and that is fueled by anger, yeah. but also the intention is to demonstrate boundaries and and how it is that I expect for you to speak to me because I won't speak to you in in a certain way. It's naming those emotions, isn't it? I think particularly with young people, if it's thinking about like helping name emotions people are feeling, if we're able to demonstrate different feelings in mm. a, in a sort of you know a regulated, managed way, it can be quite helpful. Yes. In terms of thinking about families, I've worked with when there's been either endings or if someone's been upset, thinking about hugs. I always yeah. find that quite a, an interesting one yeah. because I'm a very touchy-feely person and I like to give hugs. You know, that's natural, like when sort of greeting friends and, you know, mm. people close to me. So there is that kind of, yeah, how, how we sort of manage that, think, mm. thinking about the personal professional self. And, and I, I don't go around hugging all my families mm. at all, FYI. Um, but I think there's something about when someone's upset, isn't it? Yeah. That natural response mm. about kind of where you go. And I think often I will um, sit alongside, put an arm around. It's, you know, it's again being human, isn't it? In those moments. Completely. And that I think hugging's a really interesting one. And certainly at the end of my work with a lot of people, you know, hugs. So again, it's around context and timing, isn't it? But I think hugs is an interesting one. Um, what role do you what role do you feel gender plays in that because I, sorry i saw you lying sorry you just, right in your bed yeah. right in your head sorry because i also feel comfortable hugging mm. but i've never initiated i've always accepted hugs and received hugs when when people have hugged me but i've never initiated even when someone's crying um, and I've sat next to people who are crying. I've never initiated a, a hug or or whatever. Or maybe the most I've gone is like a comforting arm around the shoulder. Like, but it depends who the person is. It, mm. It's it's just really. And yeah. I I'm a man who has worked in female dominated environment. Have, has worked with women and kids, and I feel really comfortable hugging people, hugging friends, hugging family, my family, but. I think it's got to do with power and the power that I hold because of I'm a man and I, I'm i conscious of that. So mm. we are both touchy-feely kind of people and feel comfortable with hugs. But I think my narrative as a man in a professional context and how I hug is, is different mm. for me. What were you going to say? I was just going to ask you that question yeah. about, because I've, I've had male students and we've had this conversation about you know as a male social worker how 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 
like my student just wanted ideas yeah. about how he manages that and but I was just yeah interested to, to hear what you I kind of think it's about perceptions and what has been ingrained in us since we were since we were young and for generations of generations and this idea that and I say this now but it's still affected me but this idea that of men hugging women or initiating hugs is 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 I don't know I feel less comfortable doing that because of power but I believe influenced by a very heteronormative society and the idea that I don't know everything is influenced by sexuality to an extent because even and I've seen recently images of David Beckham kissing his his daughter um, who's seven years old and that's her um, his daughter it's a father kissing his daughter but when he posts this on instagram people are like <laughs> oh what are you doing blah 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 and that's what i'm like what lens are you looking at that through but if if victoria beckham kisses her no one's raising any questions but that makes me question of what lens do we view things through so and it makes me kind of question myself to an extent but also it's an awareness of the society in which we we live in i wouldn't i think for me i don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable so i would that's why i wouldn't or haven't initiated hugs but if people hug me then i will fully accept that fully embrace with that so that's probably what i would say to Mm. the person who was uh, Mm. questioning that yeah and you have to be cautious i suppose you don't know people's histories you don't know people's experiences around any kind of touch or contact so again it's being mindful and permission seeking um around that but i think yeah it's a really interesting from a kind of gendered lens absolutely yeah that's something that um, i was thinking about when you were talking about kind of putting an arm around somebody or um i've worked with kind of traumatized women um who have experienced sexual abuse and Mm. you know you never quite know how your touch might Mm. uh, trigger something or uh, Mm. so I'm I'm just yeah I don't just kind of indiscriminately do the same thing for everyone you just have to hold in mind that person's experiences as well and similarly from a gender perspective and working with I like to think I'm a nice nice guy I'm very I'm friendly when I'm with people with when I'm working (laughs) with women or mothers and I'm conscious that maybe they haven't had an experience of men like this in their life historically and then I'm I initiate a hug so it's about how that's going to be received so I think it's about being aware of your context being aware of your environment being aware of the situations and making it a bit of a judgment call so just looking back over everything that we've spoken about over this last half an hour or so, um, what are some of the takeaway things that you would suggest for our listeners about use of self? I would say don't be afraid. Consider your context, consider your environment, but don't be afraid of using self. This idea that you walk through the doors of your office and you have to be a certain type of way as a social worker, I think is an impossibility. Our personal self and our professional self, they overlap at some point and it's about through feedback from family, through feedback from your peers and feedback of yourself, knowing which parts of yourself are you going to bring into a particular context and which parts are you you're not going to bring in. <laughs> You're not. No, thank you. I think that's helpful. I think for me, I would say be yourself. Be yourself as a social worker. We need to be authentic. You need to be genuine. But I would say be cautious about use of self. Um, and, and that's not about saying don't. It is um, just, yeah, think carefully about it. Uh, think with some caution. Don't just go in there kind of making assumptions, using humour, offering hugs. I think that, you know, we've mentioned about context. I think that's really important. Mm. And read the room, you know. Yeah. Read it. 
For me, my the reason why I I think I'm a social worker is because my values, my personal values, align really well with social work values. Yeah. Uh, I I have faith in people. I want people the best for people. I want to try and be creative in how I work with people, and you know that's all pretty embedded in social work values as well so I think that my professional and my personal self meet quite nicely in in like through my job being a social worker of being a social worker so just yeah if if you're if you're in this and you're like "Mm, I don't feel like my values are aligning with social work values maybe we can um direct you to some career advice somewhere else (laughs) but yeah I just think it helps it helps me to enjoy my job and enjoy my role because both values align yeah were you going to say something? No, I was no. just going to oh, wait for you to wrap. wrap it up, mate. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so we have been <laughs> the Social Matters Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Matters Podcast and also on Instagram at Matters Podcast. And our new Facebook page. And Facebook Ooh. page, the Social Matters Podcast. Well, we haven't thought of it. Okay. So we'll, yeah. But yeah, we'll find out. We'll put stuff yeah, on we'll, social media. We'll work it out. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. And we will catch up with you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.